live from some Ricky Dick film vault. Meal that's truly out of this world. But be careful, the wrath of Khan awaits you. Space, a final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. podcast i'm your host serge and i am patrick and this is the end of tv on the big screen month yes <laughs> this is also our uh he always does that to me <laughs> he just stares at me waiting for me to say something and I all the time and it's all the not time. and it's not me it's just him because he just stares at me like <laughs> like he like we've had a conversation that i don't remember he's like we've rehearsed this say something and i don't know what he wants me to say <laughs> So every time you hear an awkward pause, it's just him staring at me after he says that. Yeah, I, I apologize. Uh, uh, but this is, we're ending it with a revisited episode. Right. There was no criterion for this month. No, no criterion at all. And no criterion next month either, as it will be our blockbusters month. Right. So with that said, we are doing, and if you couldn't tell by the audio behind us, or the opening intro, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. <laughs> <laughs> I was I, I didn't want to do the scream. Everyone does the scream. I like decided against yeah. it halfway thinking of it. I'm glad you did. Oh yeah, I don't want to do that I shit. Think the, the audience thinks you as well. Yeah, they're like, oh, we get it, we get it now, we get it, yes. <laughs> but the Rafa Khan, for those not know, is the second Star Trek movie. Uh, it was originally covered on the original Film of Week series back in 2013, and itself was uh, part of the uh, Attack of the Summer blockbusters. So this is kind of a sneak preview into that month. It's like a lead-in. Yes. Beautiful lead-in. Like, uh, this movie was released in June, on June 4th, 1982. That's, damn, how many years ago is that? That 35? 30, 35. 35 years ago. Uh, it is based upon the show Star Trek. You oh, don't say. Oh, you don't say. <laughs> yes. Um, which was originally aired on NBC back in 1960. Oh, crap. 1966. There we go. 1967. Uh, it aired on NBC for about three seasons. Um, it came back for a third one because after they canceled it and then right in campaign, everyone kind of knows that. It became a monster hit in syndication, achieved cult status, and now we're here. <laughs> yeah. We're, was it 13 movies in? Yeah, about, about five series. Five series, 13 and then movies. And like in. a legion of fan made films and Trekkies like and uh, video games, uh, books cartoon shows yeah it's a it's a behemoth there's even a bit the biggest star trek convention in the world is in vegas every year so hmm. yeah random, no, random ass place i don't know why it's vegas i just don't know <laughs> uh it was of course created by gene roddenberry and it was a production of of 
not just Paramount Television, but of Desi Lu as well. The first season, yeah. Yeah. I think it was the first season only. However, these movies take place in continuity with the original series. Uh, this is the second after the uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture. Yeah. Or as some people call it, Star Trek The Slow Motion Picture. That movie drags. That movie really drags. does drag. This, however, does not. There is a widely held belief among trucks, uh, Trekkies. Um, every, I think is every odd number film is usually not the best one. Every even-numbered one is usually turns out to be very good. Yes, and for the most part, kinda, kinda has been the case. Yeah, they, I think uh, the TN, the Next Generation movies kind of broke that. I think it switched on them. I'm not sure. Or no, it could have been the new... The newer one. Yeah, I think newer they called that, that one the Kelvin universe or something like that. Yeah. Because it's the Kevin, the Kelvin timeline, which is like that ship that blows up in the first movie. Yeah, but this one, this timeline, mm-hmm. features of course William Shatner as James yeah, Bill Tiberius, <laughs> Bill Shatz, uh as Tiberius, uh, James Tiberius Kirk, Larry Nimoy as Mr. Spock, DeForest Kelly as Bones, Walter Cohen as McCoy, but yeah, McCoy. well his last name is McCoy. McCoy, yeah, Walter Cohen as Chekhov, Jurtsukai as Sulu, Michelle oh Nichols as Uhura, and uh, acts as a sequel to not just the show but. An to, episode of the show? Yeah, and was, that episode was the 1967 episode Space Seed. Which, if you really think about it, it's like, a lot of them A lot of them could have been sequels, you know? Yeah. Like, a, a lot of the Star Trek episodes, if you really think about it, lead off into, like, these bigger questions of, like, what the hell happens after after the Enterprise leaves. Because these, these are usually, like, planet-wide affairs or something like that that happen. Like, they, they involve themselves in alien races and the the decisions that happen usually affect the entire race not just the person living in it mm-hmm. or part of the race or whatever so like almost any episode can be like well what the fuck happens after they leave and sometimes you don't even find out and sometimes it's continued on in the next uh, series or so forth and so on but this one got the big budget fucking continuation it's taking back a, char- a character a majority of people know um and developing it uh, the plot of this episode is Khan escapes from his 15-year exile to exact revenge on Kirk. At this point, the crew of the Enterprise have to stop him from acquiring the terraforming device known as the Genesis Project. And this is actually the beginning of a story arc within this film this film series. Um, it leads up almost to the voyage home, I think. Yeah, they call it, they kind of, I believe they call it like the, the Spock arc. Or like the Spock trilogy? Yeah, because it's this one. It's uh, Search for re- Spock. Search, and then I think it ends with Return of the Voyage Home. The Voyage Home, home oh. yes. It was a box office success, earning $97 million worldwide. Julian, get off the thing. And setting a world record for its first day thing. box office gross. Uh, the critical reaction was all well and good. And everyone highlighted the person that we have not talked about yet. Ricardo Montalban. Montalban as Khan, who is fucking amazing. Oh, yeah. He fucking shows <laughs> up everything in the, in the scene. Yeah. I feel like he's in every other scene. He takes up, like, as a villain, he takes up, like, every other, mm. like, scene in this film, which you don't really actually see villains do. No, no, you don't. And uh, also, the this is widely considered the best Star Trek movie in the series. That's very fair to say. Uh, I also think it's the more ma- most mainstream of them. This is also true, because you said it was a blockbuster. It reached, like, the widest audience at the time. Yeah, like, the other ones were, like, still pretty, like, financially successful and stuff like that but this one i think reached like a pulp culture status that the others never really came close to because i think it was it was just more like people people knew about the series but i think it was like the one that could like hit everybody well the end also kind of like is kind of what did it because you know the other ones didn't exist yet Mm -hmm. so the end spoilers ahead for the for those of you that know at the end of the movie um 
Spock, who's pretty much like the be- like beloved by everyone who who watches the series or who is familiar with the series, like dies at the end, or it's so so it's made to appear. And you know that one's like kind of big and it hits home, and people kind of want to see that reaction to a major character like that just dying. Sure, and th- and this movie deals a lot with aspects of death. I was I was scrolling down. It says apparently the original title of this wasn't Rafikon. This was the Vengeance Con. I feel like that's more aptly dis- you know. But they had to change it because of a little movie that was about to, on its way to come out called Revenge of the Jedi, which right. would then be turned into... That's a good... This is a good year for uh, sci-fi, huh? Yeah, I think we're, uh, Revenge, uh, Return doesn't come out till the next year after. That's a good right? era for for sci-fi, I think. Yeah, it doesn't come out till next like, year. Like, I think yeah. the 80s had a good boon of, boom of uh, sci-fi, kind of died down into the 90s and then started mm-hmm. and then it kind of leveled off for a bit in the in the aughts and now we're really picking up again into like good sci-fi territory but it's oh, more yeah. in television and stuff like that totally agree with that like sci-fi's really picked up in the last couple of years i mean like we've got like altered carbon which i hear is good i mean they have a whole anthology series with philip k dick there's a new star trek series out yeah star trek discovery yeah which is Here's hit and miss, but I, I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't dived it. into it. And hey, Pat, you technically did a shit ton of research before this. Ah, uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> by watching TNG. <laughs> so I recently got into Star Star Trek because of the uh, the uh, the JJ Abrams movies. Uh-huh. I started with that, and I was like, oh, you know, I kind of like these movies. I want to know. I want to know more about this world and universe and stuff. So I went all the way back to original series. Worked my way through those movies up in... I haven't seen Generations yet, but I worked my way through those movies except for the last, last one. The one, like, I think it's The Undiscovered Country or whatever. Mm-hmm. The one where they battle God or something like yeah. that. I haven't seen that one. Oh, okay. I've been told not to watch that one. I, yeah, I hear it's pretty fucking awful. I know you You saw... You've seen the ori- all of the original series, right? All the original series. Okay. Uh, watched all the movies, and then I... Just finished the next generation, and I'm I'm on Deep Space Nine. But I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a break because uh, that's a lot. That's a lot of Star Trek. By the time this episode comes out, you'll probably be back in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> you? I need a month. <laughs> I might need one. Yeah. That's a lot of Star Trek. My but yeah, gosh. I just finished it, and then like I I get interested in the production design and stuff like that. So. I always kind of like knowing why things are the way they are. Like I wanted to know why they added collars to to the uniforms and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I did kind of my research on yeah. it before even knowing when we were going to watch it. Yeah. And then before this episode that we're recording, we went back and rewatched Space Seed. You will listen to the trailer. And we will be back with our reactions to the Rafa Khan. Beyond the darkness, beyond the human evolution, is Khan, a genetically superior tyrant, exiled to a barren planet, banished by a starship commander he is destined to destroy. Left for dead, he has survived. I'll chase him round the of Nibia and round the Antares maelstrom and round Perdition's flames before I give him up. There she is. There she is. Captain. 
Not enough against their shields. The base is stubborn. Scotty, I need warp speed in three minutes or we're all dead. I've done far worse than kill you. I've hurt you. And I wish to go on hurting you. I shall leave you as you left me. Marooned for all eternity. Buried alive. Buried alive. Sean! Sean! At the end of the universe lies the beginning of vengeance. Star Trek II. The Wrath of Khan. And we're back. You just listened to a trailer for the Rafa Khan, and we just finished watching Rafa Khan. Damn, that trailer, though. <laughs> it, that was actually a really good trailer. That man. was. That's uh, a really good. Kinda props to the guy who made that one. Leaves you on the edge of your that. fucking seat. Jeez. Oh, yeah, and it does a really good job of using the um, down to perdition's flame, and then just like the planet with the Genesis yeah, thing. The- just, God! <laughs> God! See, not okay. So, yeah, no, that's how the trailer is, and yeah. it uses it well. And then the 80s has fuck fun. Yeah, like the title you, just you guys, shoots out. You guys places. didn't see it, but holy shit. I mean, you shit, did that, if you watched the trailer. Yeah, but holy shit, that font. Yeah, that's so I wasn't expecting, like, the fucking Thor Ragnarok score to play. Star Trek 2, the Rafa Khan. <laughs> It, it did. I think that it was a really well made trailer, and it yeah. made it seem more action packed than it actually was. Not that it doesn't have action, or mm-hmm. anything, but it made it seem like every turn, every sequence is like full of action. Because as you said, it the movie acts more like, and you said it while we were watching it, that acts more like a chess game. Yeah, because like it, it totally is. Because Khan is supposed to be like this really intelligent, supremely intelligent character, and Kirk, notwithstanding, like you know. Is a very intelligent person in, in his own right. He's just more unorthodox as compared to maybe like other people in the in the universe or in the series. Yeah, because you you could tell that he. I mean, he's the one that cheated like out the Kobayashi Maru. Well, he, yeah, like the, later on they they make a point to say that where they go. He goes, you know, I never really actually passed the Kobayashi Maru. They're like, what? He's like, I cheated. I made a situation in which I would win. That was the like. He's like, they gave me a commendation for that because I made something of it. Like they're like, I thought outside the box. I did something. The the. Vulcan uh, woman played by Kirstie Alley was like, well, that's not fair. He goes, well, it's not fair, but that's why you got to you have to do what you need to do to win. And the, and like, it's it's done, but like that's those are the rules that spot uh, that Kirk and and Khan play with. They do what they have to win, and short of like personal sacrifice. And then eventually, Spock is also like to help Kirk is willing to understand that sometimes a personal sacrifice is needed uh, to like in that regard. The personal sacrifice for Kurt is to lose someone in general, and he wasn't willing to make that gambit, and neither was Khan. But Spock is the one who's like overall, you know, the needs of the many outweigh yeah, the needs, needs of a few, and that that's true because with that, they it's two people against each other that don't they just cannot accept losing. You're they right, can't. by the way. I didn't, I didn't realize. I thought they had seen. I thought they meet each other face to face in this one. But they don't. It's just I only th- screen to screen. I think that's what makes it cool too, because yeah. the, even though they're far away from each other, even you when can they curse feel- each other. Even when they curse each other, like they're not aware of it. But you're like, oh fuck, these guys are so serious. Yeah, they feel because you feel even though they're not in the same room together and they're on different ships, you just feel that tension, like they are. You see what what they want, and you feel that that whole battle, like when the like at the like another good one to to the example is even at the end. Khan didn't ex- like accepts like defeat 
Mm-hmm. He, like, he just, like, when he's, like, when Kirk's ship is flying, when the Enterprise is flying away, he's like, oh, not yet. Not, not, not like, yet. Like, from the, he- the depths of hell, I stab it. Like, he's just like, Jesus, fuck, give it up, Khan. You're he, can't, he cannot accept death. He can't accept failure. Like, he's he, lost everything. He is, he's like the Black Knight of Python, the Holy Grail. I'm invincible. He can't accept the fact that you're fucking losing. You know, do. Bite my ankles. Come on, I'll never get But it, it's not just that. It's these two people that can't accept, like... To lose. They can't, they can't, they don't accept failure. Not just that, e- either. They can't also move on from certain things. Right. Or going into that next step. Like, Kurt can't move on from being the captain, from being the captain of the Enterprise, and Khan can't move away from being the tyrant, from being in control. Yeah, and they have that about them. Like, even, or, like, with Kirk's case, too, it's not just about the captain thing, it's about getting old. Yeah, he has such a hard time kind of accepting. That's why, like, when, you know, Bones is like, oh, happy birthday, and Kirk's like, yeah, whatever. He's just like, seriously, just don't remind me. He has that air about him. I mean, when they give him the glasses, another, like, a, like later on in, this, in the movie, he puts them on because he's starting to accept that aspect of himself. While well, as Khan is like forever brash and bold and like dramatic, overly dramatic, yeah, human. <laughs> Jesus, like no, when Cardinal Montalban was born to play this dude. Oh fuck yeah! I, I would not. I can't. It's hard to imagine other people in it. Not, not saying that Benedict Cumberbatch. Ugh. I mean, okay, you know the, the only, okay. So I don't mind his performance. Oh wow! But Khan Noonien's sign uh, sign is supposed to be Indian. Indian, yes. And then in Star Trek in the Darkness, it's Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> right? I yeah. think that really pissed me off when I went to go see the movie. I didn't really I didn't really put that together till now. Mostly because like for being on a desert planet, Khan lost his tan. <laughs> Just what you pointed out and I thought that was fucking hilarious. Yeah. I was like, Oh your shit. But no, right. that that doesn't excuse um, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch. Not that he was a bad actor, I think I think they could have thought it out more rather than cash in for big bucks. I remember when th- I reviewed this movie the first time. So when I reviewed this movie, I watched Space Seed, then I watched Reficon, much like we did today. But it was coming out, it had just, my review was up this week, or like I think it was the weekend or weekend after um, Star Trek Into Darkness had just come out. So I was drawing a lot of comparisons. And that's the fair thing to do because it's Into Darkness is a combination of Space Seed and this movie. And... The thing is, I also reviewed, like, Into Darkness, that movie, and I was like, you have the comparison of the two performances, and you have the comparison of, like, what their draw is. It kind of feels like the second one of Star Trek Into Darkness was trying to do Rafa Khan all the way, like, not all the way through, but just, like, in the third act. Like, you know, I kind of don't want that. (laughs) I honestly would have wanted just Space Seed, the movie. Yeah. Because that would, like, lead up into, you know, if you're thinking, like, production-wise, that could lead up into... A future sequel. Yeah, but it's like I think it's more of a case of wasted potential. Yeah, the, but I do admit Zachary uh, Quinto's like when hit when that death happens in the movie and he's the one who who has that whole kind of like emotional moment. I was like, oh well, like regardless of what the hell's going on, that was a really that was strong. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, I give you that because uh, Zachary Quinto as Spock is actually is rather good. Like, yeah, no matter what. But with that said, Benedict Cumberbatch's performance pales in comparison to Ricardo Montalban. Oh, yeah, because... Holy shit. Because Benedict Cumberbatch is a good actor. I don't have any qualms with him. Neither like do I. Up, but he has... He lacks... Not the finesse. Uh, he has too much control over himself. Ricardo Montalban was willing to put the passion... He understood that tyrants aren't cool and calm and collected people. 
regardless mm-hmm. if they're super supermen or not that they are people like they in the spacey they're like the world doesn't want to know that there are 80 napoleons walking around and napoleon is like an eccentric crazy huge personality figure and then Khan in that respect is the same way and I think Ricardo Montalban understood that and was like well I'm not gonna just fucking play this straight I'm not that would be a discredit to who, what this character is so I'm gonna even in the spacey one where he's a young kind of composed man with his hand to his back you know kind of as he walks around he still has those moments where he's like when he's talking to the MacGyvers he's like either you go or you stay but make it of your own free will <laughs> and, and my favorite like the thing about that I, I love how you describe it you're like that is such a Mexican thing because Montalban was a Mexican actor always, and was as you as you found out yeah. which was very interesting was despite being in America was always a Mexican citizen yeah God That's damn. Read, yeah. yeah, no, but like, God damn, like he is to play the tyrant up and to like convey that passion, convey that emotion. You see, and like this movie, like knew like we're gonna whoever wrote this movie, like was like, all right, we're gonna make this motherfucker monologue and be like monologue, arrogant yeah. and just proud or like just also have that he can like everything is fucking scorned and ripped away from me fuck everyone that did this to me and that's such a human thing too it's not like an any he's like i don't care about starfleet i don't care about the federation i want kirk yeah like, like, he's like i he's like i want him i need him dead i want his family dead yeah he's the hero in the untouchables like he like when he's like second in command or i think Probably his son. I don't know. He's like, he's like, we're free. We can just get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And then Khan just goes, no. Like, he's like, I want Kirk. He tests me. Like, he's like, this, like, every tragedy I've had since I've gotten to this planet, I blame on Kirk. And that motherfucker needs to die. Yeah. Like, that was the whole, like, it was like, like, fucking just... Vengeance would have been a more apt title. And it, he, he does say that Cleon Farber, like, right for revenge is like a dish best served cold and he is he does not give a fuck about anybody when did when did con meet klingons yeah, I, okay yeah there's a lot of inconsistencies too with this i movie. mean there's also the checkoff thing but i kind of i can let that slide but the klingon one is one where i'm like i can forgive that yeah yeah i'm like ah, we're naming a klingon <laughs> like, i doubt a klingon just came to the planet and was like hey what's up and even when he they talk about the planet like like when he meets Chek, sees Chekhov, and he, they're like, "Look, we sent you off to Seti Alpha Five. And he's just like, "This is Seti Alpha Five. I'm just like, "Fuck, okay, dude, chill." Yeah. Like, well, like, yeah, everything there, uh, is like fucking. By the way, the costume design when they like first pop up is fucking amazing. Oh yeah. I, like I love that whole look of like the Starfleet or when. Or no, when well, I like I like the redesign of Starfleet's uniforms. I felt bad for them in those weird uh, onesies. I heard they uh-huh. were very uncomfortable, and then like they do not hide any of your figure at all. Oh uh, okay. So like, I heard a lot of them had to starve themselves to look even decent for the for the movie the mm. last movie and then so like i think all of them asked like hey can you give us like comfortable things to wear where we're not constantly self-conscious about our bodies and the production's like oh yeah you're human beings let's uh let's make actual looking uniforms for these guys <laughs> and then they're like what about uh con uh con and his group well when they were first introduced they were wearing chain mail and bikinis uh, <laughs> so let's go with uh like a like a ragged arab look but yeah no like in here it's like it looks fucking yeah when he's got that he's got like kind of the the wraps on it's got like this kind of like like a dust visor to like make sure that the dust doesn't get in and to keep any like bright sunlight from hitting the eyes like it's Mm -hmm. just this like cool looking visor and he takes it off he's got like a shawl with these like cool beads and his gloves are all fucking sick yeah and like he kind of like it just it's like ricardo multiple and you're like oh he's gonna fuck shit up 
Yeah, and like just the look of. <laughs> he also kind of has like the '80s fringe hair going. You know? Yeah, he's got like a, a party in the front. I oh, know business in the front and party, party in, in the, the back. back. Do my bangs look great for vengeance or what? Yeah, the uh, the thing I wanted, uh, I just read right now, like a while before starting. One, um, McGivers, mm-hmm. uh, the actress herself, Madeline uh, Rue. She was ri- she. Of course, she's not I, in the movie. She was wasn't she? Didn't she have a role written originally that? But she dies like right in the beginning. She had a role in it, but the thing is, in 1977, she got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Oh, that's a shame. So she couldn't actually appear, oh. and the, the director didn't want to recast the part. But that's like that's that's kind of brilliant though, because they kind of because it I, adds more now. Well, he has that yeah. that part where I think he goes. Like, when he gets that weird brain slug thing, he goes, this is the thing that killed my beloved wife. And then I think he has a, like, I think he has, like, a line later on where he gets, like, he gets, like, angry when someone mentions his wife. He's like, my wife is gone. Like, he's, like, so, oh, no, yeah, it's, like, right, yeah, I forget what the hell went on, but he has, like, such a passionate, like, one-line response about it that you're like, all right, let's not talk about your wife. You never had a wife. How about that? We're never going to talk about that. You know, let's go. <laughs> no, 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 I was no. like, it's good. We don't need to, we don't need to We don't do that. Good. No, no, no. Oh, we good. No. We good. Yes. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, that brain slug, by the way. I still fucking disgusting. That scene really does fuck me up, though. You know what it is? It's because they did, like, a close-up of this clay wax ear. Yeah. And this, like, ugly, oozing thing with ketchup. It's just, like, nasty looking. <laughs> but, like... Every time I see that scene, like I, you didn't it see the noise. It's you, like yeah, you didn't see my reaction because I was kind of just like keeping it to myself. But when I watch it, I can kind of feel it, and it's like oh, oh yeah. fuck, I, I don't I feel want it, that. Like, thinking about it now, and yeah. I think the thing about uh, his wife death that also is important is that it adds to the overarching theme about life and death because I also feel it gives him humanity. Yeah. Because cause you understand that. Like, if you lose someone... Like, it's one thing to want to kill Kirk just because you're a villain, but this guy feels like it's Kirk's fault. Yeah, because one, you... After, well, fucking up the Enterprise the first yeah. time around, and her being yeah. like, let's fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> if you guys watch Spacey, like, the second she sees Kong, she's like, I want that D in my V right now. Yeah, like, no bullshit. That's how it feels. Like, that's 1960. Like that's a, like 1966 right here. Right it's, not, it's not even like a soft romance where it's like, oh, maybe there is a potential. It's lustful. It's like the second she sees him, she's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride that. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna do, ride that I'm gonna do everything. Yeah. It's not, we're not being rude. That's how it's kind of written. It's crazy. The thing that works here is that, like, now that, that time has passed, it's like, we don't know how long the relationship was. We don't know that. We don't, we don't know, know when she, she died. died. Yeah. yeah. Because he says, he's like, He's like, six months after the Enterprise left, Seti Alpha 6 blew up and threw this planet out of orbit. And it's like, he's like, it's got all fucked up, Kirk. It's all fucked up and you never checked on us. Six ways to say, yeah, that's kind of the thing. And um, he's like, he never bought, he fucked, he just fucked off and forgot about us. And to me about the vengeance and stuff, like, I know we brought this movie up several times now because it's a recent movie, but it kind of reminded me like. In some points, I was like, did Michael B. Jordan watch some of his Star Trek before doing Black Panther? Because I feel like they have that whole vent. They both handle the vengeance and vibe well. Like, there's these two people that got fucking scorned and screwed. Like, hey, maybe if you, you know, checked up on us once in a fucking while or did something about. This might not have been. This might have been avoided. (laughs) No, he's not wrong. Like, the thing is, Kong is not technically wrong. It's just how he goes about it. Yeah. You're like, uh, yeah, no, I get you. Yeah, I get you, Con. It's just, uh, why, why do you gotta be a dick? Like, 
Because, like, when I was watching Black Panther, I was like, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm watching Killmonger. I was like, you know, he's not wrong, but he's just not going about it the right way. Yeah, that's how you feel with Khan. Like, like he didn't fucking check on us. Fuck him. You well, I, uh, uh, I'm going to go check on my roast. <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to put that in Chekhov's ear. <laughs> you didn't have to do that. Poor Chekhov. Fucking dude. He gets, like, the shit out of the stick in this movie. I think that's why he gets a better role in, like, Voyage Home. Yeah. With the nuclear vessels. Yeah. Vessels. The whistles. <laughs> um, also, uh, personal thing. We, we, me and me and Pat have seen Walter going in person. Yes. And, oh, oh man, he, he, he convention circuit. He needs to end <laughs> that shit. He's just yeah. He just I I just worry about his health. He just seems he's same here, man. Because he seems yeah. like a sweet dude. Yeah. Uh, other than that, now going back to the Kirk side of things, his whole story and back to like the aging and stuff. We we kind of see him become like be the fucking brilliant, awesome Kirk that we all know and love. It's just like also like I think a lot of so watching Next Generation comparatively to the original series, Kirk is he's he's not as like gung ho and womanizing as everyone as popular culture has made him out to be. He's got like hints of those qualities, but he's really a guy who's like, well, I'm here to explore. I'm here to like I'm here to do the best job I can, and the best job I, the best way I can do that is if I'm out doing it. Yeah. And sometimes that doesn't follow with regulations. And, you know, not that I'm against regulations, but sometimes you have to just do the best you can. And that means going over regulations. Mm-hmm. Picard, kind of a Boy Scout in some aspects. Like, he is the top captain. Like, he's, like, very, like, yes, number one, go do your thing. Like, he makes right. He lets Riker do it because Riker's like, I'm not letting you fucking off the ship, dude. You're, like, <laughs> like he has more restraint than Spock. Spock's like, oh, yeah, you make total sense. Like, I'll, I'll go go home with you, too. Riker's like, no, you got to stay your ass in here. <laughs> it's like, it's only, like, later in seasons they're like, Picard's like, I'm going out. He goes, what? He's like, I'm fucking going. He's like, all right. Fucking Picard's going out, I guess. What the fuck? Everyone's just like, sure, man. <laughs> or, like, or it's just enough that his, his attention is involved into it. Okay. Uh, Kirk always seems to be like, I want this shit resolved as quickly as possible. That means I got to get into it. And... I think in, in this one, there's that there's a great line between him and uh, Savik, the the female Vulcan, uh, played by Christy Alley. She goes, sir, it's against regulations for uh, the higher ranking officer to go out without a protective help, like, you know, like a protective person. He goes, that's a regulation? He goes, I never knew, I never knew that was a regulation. And he's like putting on his coat and still like going out. Yeah. And like she gives him the look, she's like, oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> And, and you you definitely see that. And I don't know, something about seeing, like, the crew older and such. Like, it, I when I first watched this movie, I only vaguely had a concept of, like, Star Trek because of the reboots and all that. And, like, but even the first time I watched it, I was like, when you see them, I was like, I have this warm feeling of them being on the ship. Oh, and yeah, I, for and, sure. Like, it's weird because I didn't have that big connection. Now I kind of do because I, I like everyone. I, like... Yeah, I, I did. Develop- I I wanted to get the best. I wanted to get the most emotional emotional con- uh, connection with the series. So watching it all, and then act- like going through it in order. One, the first movie was like, oh god, um, this is not a good episode. This is not a good episode. And then watching two, you're like, oh, this is the one I wanted to watch. Yeah, because it's the one that it's the one that feels closest to what someone thinks of Star Trek. Because I think the problem with the first one is it's trying to be... It's trying too much to be 2001. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it's trying too much to be like... And it's not it's not a fault of Star Trek, but uh, it's trying to be like super kind of like... 
meta and, and meta not meta but like it's super it's trying to be very existentialist yeah and that's i i mean like and that's not that star trek doesn't do it they just do it in a very different way where they they don't like give you vague ideas about what it is they try to explain it and they try to go on the journey with you and this is why why this one and i i be, and like voyage home and such like that work because this is what you think about when you think star trek they're honestly like as action-packed as the trailer made it to be, it felt more like a Star Trek because there are events, there are them leaning, there are them thinking about what to do. I mean, there's that whole great scene where, like, Khan's like, uh, prepare to surrender yourself and give me the plans for the Genesis bomb. Mm-hmm. And Kirk's like, all right. And then he, like, turns around and he's like, I'll have my men ready for it. He goes, get the photon torpedoes ready. I'm yeah. going to pretend like I'm talking to you and getting stuff ready. Mr. Sulu, can you go do this thing? And he goes, oh, re- yes, sir, uh, running here. And then, like, he kind of, he does, like, the side hand thing. He goes, Make sure this thing is ready, right? So, right, make sure we hijack their shields, so when they're ready, we'll just fire. I was like, "Are you ready, Captain?" Oh yes, just a moment. Uh, how is those uh, field generators going? They're almost there. So. All right, give us a moment, Con. And then it happens, and he goes, uh, "Are you ready, Captain?" And he goes, "Yes." And he fucking like they just, <laughs> they just start. He's like, "Our shields are down. What the hell's going on?" And like, they just start firing. And it's like this great like chess game piece. Khan's like, I've got him. I've got the fucker pinned down. <laughs> and, and it's like, like, it's like, uh, Kirk's like, uh, we had to cut to your ship, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm an admiral, dude. I could just get that shit. My favorite thing too is like that part when like our shield are down. Like Multibond's face goes for like this confident thing, and his eyes just widen. Like, what? <laughs> He's like, get them back on. He's like, I don't know how to get them back. And they're like, where's the override? Where's the override? And we were watching Funhouse do. Uh, the VR Star Trek thing, yeah. and then one of them, James, is like, "I'm doing this without the overlays because I want to know." Yeah, doing. and I was like, "If they had the overlays on, they would know what to do." Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's just, it's just buttons. I don't, I don't know what's going on here. Again, even though the production value is high, it's just flashing buttons that's, and, that's and jelly I, beans and stuff. Yeah, dude, that's why I felt when, uh, when uh, me and Jen went to a Star Trek exhibit, like mm-hmm. at the Alley County Fair, and I had been in the like original captain's chair before but they had it there too but it's funny to sit on that chair and you're just like what the fuck does i do because <laughs> it's all just switches and buttons you're like what i, I the liked fuck? hearing um will whedon when he was on the show he's like oh yeah i figured out like he's like I, in my head i made up what the buttons do and i got a pattern on that way it doesn't look like i'm just pressing random buttons every time i'm on the ship it's like oh we need to engage warp engines he goes okay dupe 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 up dupe 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 <laughs> And like, I was like, oh, that's really smart. So he just assigned it to himself. So he's like, okay, this is what I have to do. Yeah. And I'm like, but if it was me, I was like, ah, what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, if you ever, uh, if you, I don't know if that exhibits like has a permanent stay somewhere. Or it's, like, oh, I'm going to drag my fat ass in a, in a, in a retro <laughs> command outfit. And but, then but I'm going to walk in like, Spock. Yeah. Just, they do have like the console. They, like, they had like the chair and the console and where he's just like. <laughs> Fuck, what do I do? Tickets to Rigel 7 at War 5. Uh, <laughs> and then I'm like, I said tickets to Rigel 7, and I just throw a remote at somebody. <laughs> there. <laughs> so we were talking about that, just like... <laughs> like just, and uh, what's... <laughs> That's an inside joke. Yeah, yes, it is. But um, what's cool is that, one, they did have the overlays at one point. They had actual descriptions <laughs> on the ship, finally. Oh, yeah, remember when you're like, oh, look, they have... Oh, yeah, yeah, when the, in the movie, they actually have, like, oh, look, they have, like, little lines, signs. Yeah, finally. It's like when uh, when you watch the original cut of Star Wars, like, the original original cut, like, they have, like, label maker labels on the Death Star. 
Do you remember that? No, remember? I didn't. So they had like label make before like Lucas is like, oh well, it's an alien world. Like it's an it's a galaxy far far away. Why the fuck would they have English? That's why you see that kind of weird basics like language in Star uh-huh. Wars. He's like, oh, I'll put that in a remastered. But in the like for a long time, it would just say engage weapons and stuff. That's like That's fucking awesome. But it's like, a, you could t- like you look at it you're like that's a fucking label maker. They just added a label maker oh, and they just. Oh man, just I wish it. the Star Wars universe was still like. I just- saw the deconstructor version. And I was like, huh. Like in my head, I'm like, you know what? You know, probably that that part of the remaster is not that bad. Then <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you know what? Because <laughs> it does break the illusion, and you're like, fucking English and Star Wars. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> the funny thing is, for you, it's like it breaks the illusion. For me, it's like I would love to see a Star Wars universe where it's all just label makers. <laughs> but no, but what's cool also is that. They know that this is a cinematic Star Trek, and they know that because at one oh, point I fucking asked them, that that one that scene where spot where they when Kirk's comes in, oh. it's that great shot. The the door opens up, and it's just like this fucking heavy light on Kirk. And it's just silhouette, and like for some reason, I feel like there's smoke. Oh, because yeah. it's a simulation. Yeah, of the Kobayashi Maru, and he just walks in. I was like, that's a great fucking shot. I'm gonna lie. By the time this ep- when this episode comes out that week, I'm gonna make that the fucking cover photo on our Facebook. <laughs> it's, it's really that's a good, a good fucking also, shot. The trailer does a good job of like using it too yeah, because it's Kur- it's it's Khan going like he tasks me. I would follow him to the depths. Like you know, he's going through the whole thing, and it's like like you're like, who the fuck is he talking about? And then like it's just that silhouette of Kirk, and you're like, oh, that's fucking good. yeah. That's like cool. if you were in the theory, you're like, oh shit. Um, but which works to your idea of like this being the most cinematic Star Trek. Yeah, and that's that's something I uh, um, I brought that you brought up actually when I asked you. I was like, damn, it's like darkly lit in here, and you're like, it, they're lighting it for a cinematic look. And after a while, like at first you're like, huh, this is jarring. But then when you realize when you say that. And you get more into it, it's like, okay, I realize. And it's cool, too, because with that, with that said, it's bringing it, like, to the more modern idea of, like, the 80s sci-fi. Like, right off of Star Wars, right off of Alien, but still keeping that 60s. It had, it has just enough, it has enough Star Trek with the added components of time it's, it's produced and released mm-hmm. to make it an updated fo- feel, but still very much Star Trek. Yeah, it, ke- it, it keeps to that. And it doesn't take anything away from it. Like, yeah, you see Star Trek, and it is like kind of like nowadays we see it like it's kind of like a little. It probably it's a little kit. You know, it's kitschy and it's kinda, kitschy. It's. Uh, I I don't think I would be. I I went when I went went through the original series. I watched the one on Netflix, which is the Blu-ray remastered stuff. And if it was like sometimes when they were like in the medical bay with bones, and I just saw spray bottles, I was like, I I don't believe anything is happening in this room at all. <laughs> like that, <laughs> this is, is, just, all that, <laughs> that is dyed green water. And the nurse is not doing a damn thing. <laughs> and but like there, you know, there were like things like that would like take me out. And then but like looking at the remastered stuff, like the colors are so vibrant and it looks so great. And then the remastered ship is like, yeah, if this was just like that kind of like the the old kind of the older one, the older version of of this before they remastered, I don't think I would have been able to have stood, like sat still to watch it because I'm having kind of a hard time watching Deep Space Nine. Because it still has that kind of video TV quality, like this odd graininess, and the colors don't really pop as well as they should, and the effects, I'm, they're not what I'm used to, given that we're in 2018, and that that was released in like 1994 or 5 or something like that. And it's funny that you bring up like the effects, because... The effects in this one were a lot better. Oh yeah, what the fuck? Like none of I, this. I was like... I was wa- I was watching it and I like I think they were doing like a, a scan of the Enterprise. I was like that scan is way better than anything I saw in Next Generation. Yeah. Like 
or <laughs> as you said, they reused footage from the first movie. Oh yeah, when they're driving, this, like when they're traveling through space, I was like, there were some like like that shot is a lot better than anything I'd seen. Yeah, even that, like the effects and like the models or like the even just like kind of like the early probably computer that they did, it looks good. Like they went back and they took their time to like just clean it up a little, but like just enough, yeah, yeah, and to retain that. And it honestly doesn't look bad, like. It right. looks fucking awesome. Like you feel, like you still feel that the you still feel the space. You still feel that it's real. You see it because I mean those models are fucking ridiculous. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh, for sure. Like when they're when they're when they're having the the battle between the Enterprise and the Reliance, it feels it feels like things are at stake. Also, I feel bad for the engineering core and the <laughs> Enterprise. They were the ones who got fucked over the most. Oh yeah, dude. Like I feel like every shot was at engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those battles. Were, they didn't feel like just two little props shooting at each other. It had weight, and it felt like they were actually like trying to maneuver at each other and shoot. Yeah, because there's it's tension. Like how I would describe it as like not just like as a chess game, but all but this is also like a chess game. It it's pretty much just naval warfare in space. Well, yeah, a and lot of what they do. Awesome. A lot of what they do, or it seems like they do. I'm not too familiar with my navy terminology or, or ranking system because my brother was in the army, not the navy. My mm-hmm. Your your uncle is in the navy. Yeah, they do a lot of like a lot of naval activity. I think even ranking the helm. There's like you know armature shore leave. Was yeah, there's shore leave. I mean they have. Um, I mean I'm pretty sure they have an engineering corps in the navy to help out with the ships. Yeah, and it's it's cool to just see that and transport it into space, <laughs> not too on the nose like Treasure Planet, but you know just enough. It it's great to like see that, and you could. Like the thing that intrigued me about this series oh, is that they also have admirals. I don't think the army has admirals. I think that's a navy thing. Yeah, because yeah, they got moved up to admiral. Um, and it's just it's just brilliant in that tension. And I think also the things that work well in this movie is one, it's directed really rather well, and the it's performed very well by most majority of the class. Oh too. my god! Like I don't think there's a performance wasted in this movie to me. No, and I. I I'm going to give credit to Nimoy because throughout the years, Spock has always been Spock. But mm-hmm. what I, I think a lot of people fail to realize is that throughout the years, there is humanity added to such a stoic character. Mm-hmm. And um, Bones is always kind of the the more passionate of the trio. Yes. And he's always kind of picking on Spock. He's like, you heartless, you heartless, green-blooded bastard. And like, it's like Spock's like, listen, I'm not, I'm not, it's not like I'm not impartial to this. I'm just stating out what the hell is going on. Yeah. And then, like, Spock makes the most human sacrifice out of all of them in this time of, like, kind of crisis. He goes, but he does it in such a Vulcan way. He goes, the best thing I can do to help everyone is go in there and, and, you know, take the core out or whatever it was that he needed to do. And then there's, like, that moment where he's, like, he's in there and he's about to go in and Bones is like, what the hell are you doing? Like, Bones is thinking um, passionately and he doesn't want to take the step that Spock is willing to take. And then he goes, <laughs> like, he does the... He does the Vulcan nerve pinch, and he goes, I'm sorry, Doctor, I don't have time to the, to discuss this logically. That's him going like, hey, man, I got to do this shit. Like, I got to... Like, like, this is like, important. Like, I, if I don't do this, yeah. we're all fucked. Like, right, pretty much. And it was like, he says that. He's like, the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, or in this case, one. He's like, he's like that needed to happen. And it, it just... And it's like the most human sacrifice, because it's, um, you know, in, in the series, Vul- uh, Spock is considered half Vulcan because his mother's... Uh, human. human yeah but he's so vulcan throughout the thing that he's always like he i don't know if it's just the writing of the time but he's always like i try not to have emotions because i'm a logical creature yeah he's like but in this instance my logic and my emotions were in sync 
to make this decision. Because, like, the most logical thing would probably wouldn't have been whatever Spock did. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there would have been something else, but it might not have worked the way it needed to. No, and... And, and I think that starts what we were talking about earlier with the Spock trilogy, where I think in the, in the you know, search for Spock is everyone kind of coming to terms with, like, life and death and what that means and age. Uh, and I think it's a continuation of the themes in this one. And then it's, like, the voyage home is, like, kind of Spock kind of regaining his sense of self. I, and I feel like at the end of that movie, he seems a little more human. Like, well, like a lot more human than the spot that we started off with. Yeah. And then, you know, like he comes back later on in like uh, the next generation and like this really great uh, two part episode. Yeah. And it just it adds to his character and it adds to just the whole story of this movie in general. Like there's more than just you. And yeah. Just what you're thinking and just that. because And that's a pro that's a thing that both Khan and and Kirk face. But they both that that's a thing that they both have to learn and understand one learns it the other gets blown the fuck up but it 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 adds to it that's the main idea one of the weird things and and this is just more relating to the sequel you know kirk learns this because he also learns that he has a son Mm -hmm. um and then in the sequel they just killed him (laughs) like (laughs) fuck you it's like i've learned this thing uh, because like i realized i had a son and there's like something i need to impart and you know life goes on in that way and then like he's dead he's like oh well fuck klingons that Christopher Lloyd is the main Klingon. The search for Spock is the one with Christopher Lloyd. The immediately after Wrath of Khan, like this, like this, this lesson that Kirk's learned because, you know, he's, he has to think about where his life is going and what decisions he makes. Like, what do they mean for him as a person? And then he's realized he's had a son, and he's like, oh well, I have to, I have to make up for the lost time that I've had, and I have to understand that it's not just me in my life anymore. I've got this these other responsibilities that I have to think of. Yeah, you know, which is the son. And then in the second one, they kind of take that away by killing him off. Yep, pretty much. Like, hey, remember that lesson you learned? Yeah. Uh, fuck you. But then in the <laughs> second one, in the one right after that, it's like Kirk coming to terms with the enemy, which kind of like, I, I guess, I don't know, man. Like, it was, it, I remember when that, when he dies in the, in the movie after that, I was like, well, why the fuck did we go through all that in, in fucking Wrath of Khan for him to fucking die? <laughs> what the fuck? We had, we had it, oh, whatever. Like, I don't care if his hairstyle was dumb. He was still his son. That hairstyle, though. Um, we could get into final thoughts. Yeah. So, like overall, I think the one of the key things that I really dug about this movie is the update to production design. I think it it was a great use of evolving and updating the the world of Star Trek from the ships and the uniforms and all that. And then the the performances all around are really good. I know people kind of give um, they they usually give uh, William Shatner kind of crap for not being the best actor, but yeah. I think he does his best with what he has in this movie. And you know, he has a really good script to work with in this. And I think he understands Kirk very well at this point to continue on and, and give one of his like, better performances. People always take that whole him yelling Kong out of Khan out of context. But I think it works well because it's like Kirk Kirk is an emotional guy, but he's not over emotional. Yeah. He he know he knows when he knows when to cut loose and he knows when to kind of be restrained. And in this moment it's like that moment is such like just like he's like God he's like just so fucking unbridled anger at, at this situation that he just has like he just yells and I think that's such a I think the um, the out of context joke is kind of burnt out and Leonard Nimoy does such a good job at his honestly like the whole time he's Spock is always great but that end where he, like where he just kind of has that whole like the needs of the many thing uh, Leonard Nimoy's performance is like probably really great his his end end scene with between Shatner and himself at the end is like so good James Doohan I always feel has like a really he never gets enough praise because I feel like he's kind of the the sweetheart of the crew because he always kind of you know is that he has that scene where he's he's got that engineer 
like in his arms and like he's like kind of always looking after that kid and then when he dies it's like you feel like he's such heart like so heartbroken mm-hmm. and then there's that great line where he goes he's like we gotta get him out of there he's gonna die he's like no captain he's already dead like yeah. it's just, i know I'm, I'm doing a joke of it but it's like it feels so like he's so passionate about it like he's yeah so into like, it. like he lo- I, I feel like the actor really loved being uh loved being scotty i think and then you know um God, I can't remember the name of the guy who does McCoy. Um, DeForest Kelly. Uh, DeForest Kelly, yeah. I think he always... I, I loved him because he was always kind of the tension breaker, the, always kind of the, the humor between... I always feel like Star Trek is a trio. Like, the, it's really... It's Kirk, Nimoy... It's Kirk, Spock, and, and and Bones. Yeah. And I always feel like he was the, the funny one out of all three of them. But yeah, it, it's great to see them, and I, I loved... I really like this movie. Um, I don't really have a fault with it besides, like, stupid nerd inconsistencies. But it's it's not even like ones that I, there are probably more that some other nerd would be like. <laughs> but uh, mine are just the uh, just the one with Chekhov and uh, the Klingon ones. But that's that's neither here or there. I should probably stop at like talking about the nitpicking things towards the review. Um, it's a five out of five. A five out of five. All right. To me, uh, in my thoughts, I think this is one of those rare uh, adaptations of a TV show that just encapsulate everything that you enjoy about the series and what you remembered loving about it what it it kept like it continues the story set up in the series and expands upon it and makes it this just great story of vengeance death aging all that and it it capsule it brings everything together and it's carried on by like these amazing performances be it from Shatner and Multibond just like doing so fucking good as Khan and there's way there's humanity there's just it's all around what you want of Star Trek. It's intelligent, it's thrilling, it's compelling, it's action-packed, it's thoughtful, and it's thought-provoking. It is a great sci-fi story in it as well. And with all that combined, it's actually one of... It's a great fucking movie. Like, five out of five. That's exactly what it should be and what it is. <laughs> it is fucking Star Trek, and it's amazing. <laughs> if you expected it not to get a five out of five when hitting this... Uh, episode then something's wrong with you (laughs) but with that said patrick we have ended tv on the big screen we have sat through keep expecting you to say tv on the radio i'm like i don't know the words of that song but i like Uh, that song uh, slight thing uh when i played rock band a lot that was my go-to song nice they fucking love that song. We started off with sci-fi, much like this. Mm-hmm. We started off with Serenity, which is awesome. Right. We then Fugitive, which is fucking amazing. And holy shit, balls, it's awesome. <laughs> you find it. You find it. You find that man. Then Get Smart was okay. What? Then Get Smart was okay. Yeah. And we spent time talking about LA <laughs> geography. <laughs> when will you learn? When will you learn? We basically became the Californians. And we ended it with Star Trek to the Rafficon. Now, I, as I said before, every every year around June, we will do some summer blockbuster movies and all that cool jazz. Oh, and and all these movies this month, you've this last month for TV on the big screen, you've seen already. Yes. So you get to rest for another month because then all the next movies. I can rest on my laurels. I rest on your laurels because all the next movies are movies that you have already seen. What was the hint I gave you? What was the hint you gave me? Yes. I forgot it. <laughs> Something from 1994? Was that was that what the net? That was, well, you're kind of on the button because all our summer blockbusters, our Attack of the Summer blockbuster series, 
Last year we did nothing but Marvel movies. That was more Marvel. Jurassic Park. Because it's gonna be what? What? What month? Is to it? celebrate the 25th anniversary of da, Jurassic da, Park. Da, da, We're doing Jurassic da, da, Park. Da, da. I just started reading the book. Oh, sweet! So I got <laughs> through the prologue, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so we are going. I to do, is smart. I fucking hate you because sometimes you reveal it before I want to ki- do kick ass reveal for the 25th anniversary. Da, 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 da. We are doing Jurassic Park. We got dinosaurs. (laughs) 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 Fucking Jurassic Park. I... I just think we need an excuse to do it. To cover more Goldblum. And because... Well, it's going to be 25 years old. And it'd be cool to do it. And, I, dude, we've talked about it so fucking much. We might as well just record an episode about Jurassic fucking Park. I hope you hear this on the podcast. What? <laughs> You'll hear it. The laughing? Yeah, I was doing it for like a minute. <laughs> I know, I, I heard it. <laughs> but he'll hear it more here. Motherfucker. <laughs> so that is the attack. So look at that. That nice. is a huge pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's called the that Lost is- World. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> How did he do this and then he did Lost World? <laughs> <laughs> did Lost World was, was released the same year as Amistad, dude. Fuck me. I know, right? But, however, so we did this 25th anniversary. We are also doing something a little odd and out of our own continuity. We're doing an animated movie. Ooh. After Titan this. AE? We are doing... <laughs> These are all in chronological order, really. So we went to 1993. Uh-huh. Ooh, 1993. 25 oh. years ago. I was two when this came out. I was one. <laughs> you wee baby <laughs> But we sucks. are covering... Not only are we covering an animated movie, we're covering one thing that we have not covered yet. Five Goes West? No. Damn it. It's never we are covering the highest grossing movie of 1994. Oh, God. Please don't be space jam. And we are going into the Disney renaissance. Oh, okay, cool. With The Lion King. Oh! Uh! I, I, I think we have to find a way to get Jennifer on it because she wants to be on it. But holy shit, I've been waiting for this episode mostly. Also, um, full disclosure, Matt's not going to be on a lot of these episodes because of the schedule. But mm-hmm. this was the one when I showed him the list. He said, fuck no to. <laughs> he said, oh yeah, he hates this movie. Yeah. However. Because he I- has no soul. <laughs> <laughs> so we will be doing The Lion King, the beloved classic. And our first dive into the Disney renaissance. And I did confirm it was the highest grossing of 1990- movie in 1994. Nice. Holy shit. But... Patrick, we are now going to leave 1994 and go to the next year, 1995. Ah, yes. Before 1996. Because in 1995, beauty, it was a glorious time. It was great things. And Seal was kissed by a rose. (laughs) Baby! We are doing Batman forever! (laughs) Riddle me this. Riddle me that. Who's afraid of the big black? Starring our homie from Prince of Egypt, Val Kilmer, our homie from The Fugitive, Tommy Lee Jones, and our homie from Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind, Jim Carrey, and a beautiful, beautiful, whatever the fuck <laughs> Batman Forever is. I like this movie, actually. No, I like this movie, too. <laughs> Spoilers for that episode. Oh, my God. I used to rent this all the time. You ready to watch this with a slight critical eye? I'm going to tear it to pieces. No, probably not. <laughs> No, we're not. I'll, I'll enjoy this movie. I unabashedly love this movie. You right? know what my favorite part about this? Like, if, if you... Those hearing, if you peeps, like, see the poster, is I love that they, like, add them all, like, under Batman's gauntlet, and then, like, the Batmobile is, like, somehow, like, oh, shittingly yeah, photoshopped I didn't, I didn't, in. 
I, don't even know, I didn't even realize I was there. But, uh, yeah, so that's it. But now we're going to skip two years. We're going to go to 1997. Mm-hmm. Put your frame in mind in 1997, your beautiful summer of 1997. It was great. It was magnanimous. It was awesome. I was six. Also, um, also um, it was the year that was firmly cemented after a year after a certain actor decided to be the king of summer. Oh, King Willie. <laughs> king Will Smith. But yeah. we're also continuing our train <laughs> because <laughs> we are going. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. It's not that. So which one? 97. Oh. Because on the deepest side, darkest night on the horizon, bright light and uprising, camera zoom on the impending doom, and then like boom, black suits fill the room up. Men in black. See, here's the thing. I was I was thinking about Independence Day. Is it because I sent you that uh, that gif of me with glasses as a kid? And I went, <laughs> no. I no. make this look This good. was planned like months ago. Like legit, this title card was made in January. Wow. <laughs> so... I'm not fucking around. This is I, our second time. No, is there going to be our third time in Lee Jones' Third time in Lee Jones' week. Two in a month. He's catching up to Samuel Jackson, who's in Jurassic Park. Samuel Jackson. <laughs> who's, in, <laughs> who's, in, who's in Jurassic Park? All right. Yeah. All right. See? So, uh, <laughs> hold on to your butts. Uh, so it's our first Big Willie's movie. Big Willie movie. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Uh, I was in between this and Independence Day. We could do a commentary on Independence Day. Maybe. Mm-hmm. That movie's fucking long, dude. Also has Brett Spiner in it. Oh, shit. You're right. <laughs> However, there are five weeks in June, so we're not done. <gasps> we're going to the end of the decade. 1999. Finally. Titan AE. No, that was 2000. So. Oh. However, we will be watching a movie that I have not seen all the way through since I sat in the theater. Uh, we're not watching Titanic, are we? In 1997. And oh, that came God. out in December. My butt wouldn't be able to handle sitting there. But will your butt be able to handle? <laughs> that sounds weird. Let me phrase that back. I have not seen this movie all the way through since 1999. Because. <gasps> I think I know what it is. What is it? Was it uh, Phantom Menace? We are doing Phantom Menace! <laughs> 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 Masters Destroyers! Maybe Risa be friends. I know this movie has been done to <laughs> I know this movie has been done oh, to death. Cha-cha. Oh, you seen a big doo-doo now. Shut the fuck up. Dave Filoni, hire me. I know, like, this movie constantly gets, like, shitted on. It's not that bad. Like, I fucking, and I everyone and their mom. If it wasn't for this movie, I wouldn't have loved Star Wars as much as I do. And everyone and their mom has already covered this movie. So, like, <laughs> and Jabba's watching over the rays right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know, I know. But with this review, once again, I haven't seen it all the way through. And you already know my stance. Why on- are you waving a hand around like some sort of Jedi? <laughs> the reason I wanted to do it is one, I haven't seen it all the way through in, like, since 99. Ninety fucking nine. Seen it all the way through. No, I've not seen it all the way through since I sat my ass in the theater okay. in nineteen ninety nine. This is not Attack of the Clones, motherfucker! I swear to God. See here, you know my stance on Star Wars prequels. One, I have, no, I have no. So you don't have a complete critical eye of it. No, because I don't. Rem- I don't fucking remember. I don't. I know what happens. But I it's don't a little fuck- spotty, but overall, it's okay. Yeah, Attack of the Clones was shit. It really is. And, and it's the I best think episode three fucking- is pretty okay. So yeah, yeah, it's very yeah. fair. So. That's our list for June. That's our whole summer list. Right. Right there. God. So, and. It, it, oh, no, we didn't do Transponding last year. There's three directors throughout this month we've already covered, too. Yeah, no. Spielberg no. was for. We did Raiders. We did Raiders. You, okay. So I, me and Jerry Spirit did Raiders. Of so, this is, I think you've done 
Lucas before. I think you did. Joel a- Schumacher was uh, Lost Boys. And then Lucas was American Graffiti. Oh, yes. I remember that. So now we're going into oh and uh side things on that Disney we we didn't we haven't covered but me and Jen did Aladdin for Back to the Drawing Board, and on the odd side of things or crazy side of things, uh Men in Black is directed by Barry Sonnefeld who was the cinematographer on When Harry Met Sally. Oh fucking me. Yeah. <laughs> Weird, huh? Yeah. So I found that I was like. Huh, okay. <laughs> did he direct Adam's Family? Yes, he did. Yeah, because he's used the same fucking font. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way I remember that movie. That's the only way I remember that fact about that movie. Yeah. I was like, this has the same fucking font as Adam's Family. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So um, with all that said, let's give a quick rundown again. We'll be doing the beautiful, magnanimous Jurassic Park, which will be released. On- all jokes aside, I fucking love all these movies, by the way. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I, I literally love... These are the movies I watched as a kid. These are... Dude, I, These I are literally the building blocks of my pop culture movie life. Yeah, that's that's kind of why I wanted. I chose these movies because mm-hmm. I was like, we've seen all these movies, but this is like... They travel in herds. <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing Jurassic Park for the 25th anniversary. The Lion King, we're doing Batman Forever. Men in Black and Star Wars Episode 1, The, the Phantom, Phantom Menace. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of Star Trek 2, The Rafficon, which will be released in a month from our recording. Or more than a month, actually. You see, there's this thing called time. <laughs> And we have not a lot of it. According to Star Trek, you could just kind of go through that whenever you want. Yeah. <laughs> you don't give a fuck. Why not? You know, you ever realize how fucking much just shit happens in the Star Trek world and they're just so cool with it by the end of the episode? Yeah, right. They're like, oh, we've met a parallel version of ourselves where we're evil, murderous people. Well, no, that's done with. Let's, uh, let's go on to banging aliens. <laughs> and you're like, that. what the fuck? If I had met a... Per- alternate version of me i'd freak the fuck out they go oh yes we've traveled back to 1870 and we have to make sure that we one we don't get cholera and two these aliens don't suck the soul out of these uh miners and stuff like what the and you're just cool about this (laughs) what the fuck you're just coy huh all right patrick now we can finally do social media yeah where can they find you the space uh (laughs) i am on uh instagram at uh pacha the great uh Twitter at Humane Ramblings, uh, Tumblr at pachelthegreat.tumblr.com. Uh, find me where all um, Chia Pets are sold. <laughs> Ooh, Chia Pets. Uh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you can find me at Serge Barrett on Jesus. Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, if you get to that, of course. You can also find me, well, not already said all that. You can find <laughs> Film of Week podcast. On Facebook at Film Week Podcast, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Film Week, and uh, yeah, like us, uh, follow. We do updates, we do crazy memes, we we have a lot of cool shit. And on our website, you can find every episode archived and ready for you to listen to. That's right, you can listen to any episode that you want. Um, that will do it for us here. Join us next time for when we go into Jurassic Park. That is a huge pile of shit. And as always, we end with an out-of-context line from the film. Let them eat static.